Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Eminem Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host Chase McCallum. Uh, we took about a week and week and a bit off, I think, for uh, exams and the Christmas holidays, and uh, we're back with uh, an episode that we we decided to do just because it was fitting for the new year. Um, maybe not exactly the most timely in terms of what else is going on, but um, we figured it'd be a good break instead of talking about COVID for the entire episode and how that has shut down the league. Um, we figured it'd be a good break to go through uh, and do a different activity. So today we have uh, a 2022 wish list of sorts for every team. Basically, Chase and I each came up with one item for every team. And the idea behind this was this is one thing or you know, something that has to happen to make 2022 a quote unquote successful year uh, for each team. So I definitely focused on more of the uh, first half of the year in terms of the 2021-22 season, more than the 2022 start, twenty like the 2022-2023 start of the season. But uh, yeah, so we'll go through all those. Um, Chase, do you want to start in the Pacific Division? Uh, yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, so this one's. Uh, oh yeah, you oh, go. Oh yeah, ahead. I was gonna say, are we going to Anaheim? Yeah. So I, like I think just cat friendly go, rules. Yeah, go basically go by what cat friendly. Okay. I think I think Anaheim's got one really big one, and that's Troy Terry remains an elite player. Yeah, I had something similar. I had playoff berth off the back of their young core. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, and that's pretty highly correlated with Troy Terry remaining elite. Yeah. Um, I include, mine includes, you know, Zegras taking a step forward and um, Drysdale as well. But uh, obviously Troy Terry is the one that has shown the most potential this year. And that is uh, going to be the most important part of the most important thing for this team going forward right now. 100%. Cause it kind of looks like, uh, like Zegras is going to get his at some point anyways. He's just too talented not to. And then Drysdale also. He struggled a little bit in his first year, but he's looked good since. But, like, getting a superstar of a fifth-round pick in Troy Terry on top of all the other great prospects they have would just be so huge for this team long-term. Yeah, exactly. I think the other one you could argue is that John Gibson remains to look like an elite goalie. But um, yeah. That's, you know, one that I think is also more volatile from year to year. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, this is right in line basically for both of us here. It's, uh, yeah, that that is what is important right now to the development. Um, playoffs aren't a must, but I, I think that uh, definitely that young core pushing for a playoff spot and just be continuing to help the team be competitive is what you want to see. Yeah, they're kind of in that spot too where, they have the 2016 Leafs thing going where, you know, getting bounced in the first round, even if they finish eighth in the conference and losing six or whatever, that'd be a huge win for this team. Exactly. Um, Calgary is the next team. I had, I, I didn't really know what to put this team. So I had determining a clear path forward. I don't care what that path is, but they got to figure out if they're going to sell buy, are they going for it with this core, uh, et cetera. They, they really feel like they're at a crossroads this year. Um, heading into this year, it kind of looked like they, you know, maybe want to rebuild with uh, Goudreau up. Uh, Matthew Kachuk is up this year as well. So obviously two massive contracts to get rid of the, or to figure out there. Um, 
Ma- Andrew Maggiapani, who is having a breakout season, is due probably a big a big raise off his two point four this year as well. Uh, and then on the blue line, you know they got a couple UFAs that are turning over as well. So, um, what is this team going forward? I think figuring that out in twenty twenty two is what I would consider successful. Yeah, I had uh, I have that for a different team, and I didn't want to repeat it, but that's very fitting for Calgary. They're- like, what do you think they're going to do? Just kind of status quo it? Yeah, I think so with how good they've looked out of the gate under Daryl Sutter so far this year. I kind of hard I, – I find it very hard to believe they brought in Sutter to sell. Yeah. Um, yeah it kind of seems like they're going to come third or fourth and lock yeah, like, in Goudreau and just kind of toil around wherever they are. Yeah, and like, I don't know if you could foresee this division being this kind of bad for the next five years, I would understand that maybe like one of the years you get lucky and you go on a run, but like with how good the ducks look, I don't think the golden Knights are going anywhere. You have McDavid and dry in your division. And I think the Kings are only getting better. And, you know, I would expect a step forward even from the Kraken, you know? So I don't know if that's really a smart long-term play. I hope they don't stay status quo, like, I, I would hope if they're going to decide to go for it, go all in this year. Like, this is, as I just mentioned, this division's not great this year. Go make a big deadline pickup and just try and go for it. You know, you have a goaltender. You have an okay blue line. You have some decent forwards, but, you know, either add a add a defenseman or add a forward or do both. I, I just, I want to see them go one way or the other. I don't want to see them just stick in the middle and be the 15th best team every year. I like that strategy. Like, just commit to it because imagine like right now they're slated to play Anaheim in the in the first round of the playoffs and then say say by the end of the year they regress a little bit and it's Edmonton Calgary like if Edmonton or if Calgary adds a piece or two you're pretty happy with that first round matchup absolutely and then you know obviously it would probably be the Golden Knights in the second round which is tough but you know you gotta at some point you're just gonna have to beat good teams and even Calgary yeah. with a couple more pieces it's not like the Golden Knights are a completely flawless, like without flawed teams. So, um, yeah, yeah, you're probably 70 30 at worst in that series. Yeah. And maybe even pieces. exactly right. So, once you add these, maybe it's even closer to 60 40. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, I like um, that. What, what did you have for Calgary? I just had uh, Menji Apani remains a stud. Yeah. I, I mean, that's makes- huge for them. I think that's a big part of, you know, whether they go for it or not too, is if he's legit or not, Um, it kind of ties into the same thing, right? Like if he dies off at the end of the year and is not the player we've seen to start, uh, it's kind of hard seeing this team be as good as they even look right now. A hundred percent. Cause I don't, I'm, I'm higher in their depth and their roster generally than most people, but they still don't exactly have. A lot that scares you beyond Goudreau, unless Mangiapane is a legitimate like thirty goal scorer. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's fine depth, but it's not going to overpower teams or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, on to Edmonton. Uh, speaking of depth, my uh, success for them <laughs> is adding actual depth to help McDavid and Drysaddle. And uh, I don't mean buying uh, Hyman for six million dollars just to play him alongside McDavid or Drysaddle. I mean adding like legitimate pieces that when they are off the ice, this team is still a, at least at the very worst, a mediocre or slightly above hockey team. Uh, I think that would, like that's the only way that I see any playoff success for this team. 
Yeah, I had not even good, just vaguely competent depth. Like you just need to get them to like 40% goals for percentage without dry sidle and McDavid, and you're probably fine. That shouldn't yeah. be a difficult ask. No, and yet they've just failed spectacularly at it every time. They apparently I read this. I don't know, this is still true. I bet you very few games have been played, so it probably is. Their goals for percentage without those two on is the worst it's ever been this year. Yeah, like that doesn't. I mean, I get kind of shocked. I don't know if it shocks me or not. Like, because I say that and then I look at their team, it's like, well, I like the Derek Ryan ad. I thought that was okay. Uh, you know, Warren Fogel, I didn't really think the trade made sense, but he's an okay fourth line player. But then you still have just the likes of like Kyle Turris, Brendan Perlini, Tyler Benson. It's like, okay, a couple of these guys don't need to be on your active roster if you're a playoff team, you know? Yeah, plus two thirds of your right side is Cody Cece and uh, Tyson Berry. And your and, left side is not nearly as good as the Leafs was when even that killed the Leafs. Exactly, because you have Duncan Keith out there as well for 20-plus minutes a game. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, defensive depth definitely uh, plays into that, I think, as well. But, uh, yeah, and so the depth for both of us there, interesting. So we're having closer ones than I thought. I wasn't sure how this was going to go, but so far so good. Uh, what do you have for the LA Kings? I don't know a lot of, like, player-specific ones. I've never done this before, but that was kind of my approach. I think Drew Doughty's looked pretty – pretty competent dare I even say good this year and that would be huge for them long term because it looks like they're going to try to be competitive sooner rather than later and Drew Doughty not being a replacement level player on an 11 million dollar contract would be fucking awesome for them. I totally agree I had the same idea but went a different way with it I said getting out of Drew Doughty's contract uh okay if Those two you things could... are again correlated yes I was gonna say uh exact same idea for me here is that you know if he unfortunately he got injured obviously but uh if he would have continued this bounce back year because yeah his underlying numbers have actually looked relatively good like they haven't been like peak or anything like that but he's been fine like a good defenseman um so yeah if you could swindle some team that see he still is like and i don't think the kings will do this but to me this would be a very successful season if they could get a great drew doughty year and then flip him on top of that that would just be over the moon but yes drew doughty not being completely washed in general is would be massive for this team even if he plays like a seven million dollar defenseman instead of an 11 million dollar for that's better than the like 950k defenseman he's been playing like for the past three years or two years at least a hundred percent. And it's just nice to, um, I don't know many of their defense prospects that well, but just having like somebody who can not get absolutely massacred to protect the next wave of kids or whatever would be very nice. Yeah, exactly. Just have that guy who can be out there and I don't know, show you the ropes, quote unquote, I guess. I, I don't know if I love that term, but you know, like, yeah, just a leader there because obviously having some veterans in the room are important, but those veterans actually being good at hockey goes a long, long way more too. Exactly. Um, on to the San Jose Sharks. For me, I had committing to a full-blown rebuild. Yep. Yeah, picking, realizing who you are and actually going for it kind of thing. Yes. Uh, it's still, even this year, feels like they kind of feel like they're still maybe kicking around the playoff bubble. Like they're they're five points out. Um, of Edmonton for fourth in the division, which I believe would put them in a spot. 
Yeah, because the uh, Edmonton's at the 36 tied for second wild card. Um, and, and it's just very clear they're not that, you know. Uh, it looks like they got out from under that Evander Kane con, or they, they might get out from the Evander Kane contract. Uh, he's in the minors right now, if I'm not mistaken, or his contract's buried in the minors anyways. Um, but, yeah, just committing to an actual rebuild where, like, if you go on their cap friendly right now, I don't know half the roster. No, the roster's and, impressively bad yeah and even like, like not even bad it's just like so aggressively mediocre yeah the top end is just like meh and then they have like lane peterson noah gregor like i don't know i've never heard of those guys and then it's like matt nieto jonah uh, jonah godovich it's like i i have heard of those guys but i wouldn't expect 90 percent of hockey fans to hear about that or to know about them yeah 100 percent so, um, yeah, just for me committing to a rebuild, I mean, there's some, we've talked about it so many times on this podcast, but uh, there's some ugly contracts. Obviously, the Carlson one, the Burns one, the Vlasic one, uh, Evander Kane's not even playing for them anymore. So that looks way worse. Logan Couture's isn't really good either. Um, there's just so much money tied up, and it's like, I get there's not a many pieces you can sell off, but, like, just just commit to a full-blown rebuild. Like, And then it's funny because... I feel like maybe that, like, I don't know if that was the direction they were going in or not. They picked up Aiden Hill this offseason, but James Reimer has been absolutely elite and has probably earned them more points than they really need or want. Yeah, which is dangerous because then you can aggressively overestimate how good you actually are. Yeah, and considering they're still five points out of a playoff spot, uh, that's already not very good. So, yeah. Uh, What do you have for the Sharks? I had uh, the ability to get out of any of those big picks. Yeah. Because I've already got out of Kane, even if it's Carlson, even though he looks good, or Burns, Vlasic, Couture, any of those. Just get out of one of those deals, and this year's a huge win for you. Yeah, I I totally agree. Um, Carlson's underlying numbers, at least his RAPM, like expected goals, course before per 60, continues to look really good um, compared to past years. It'll be interesting to see if he can keep that up or not. Um, but yeah, if you could find can. that was I, an too. honorable mention one too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say him being actually really good again would be an awesome thing for just hockey in general. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. But if you could use that good season, much like the Drew Gowdy idea, and find a team that's willing to take him for six more years at that massive ticket, you should take even if it's for a seventh round pick. You should absolutely be doing that. Yeah, without blinking, because they're just not going to be good while Carlson is, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. So um, for Seattle, I had fixed Philip Grubauer. I don't know how you do that, yeah. but uh, I that is, yeah, I was going to say that is the single most important thing for them, um, which would really just make them from a lot. And I don't think a lottery pick this year is the worst thing for what it's worth, uh, especially, you know, like a, what looks like a loaded draft, you know, Um It'll be really funny if they end up taking the normal quote unquote expansion route anyways, but they just get there because their goalie absolutely sucks, even though that's what they plan to be like the strength of their team. But yeah, yeah, if they want to, you know, I I would say you could make the argument that just getting a top three pick top two pick in this draft and maybe even setting yourself up for a top pick next year could be just as successful. But uh, in Mm -hmm. terms of team success, fixing Philip Grubauer, I think would go a long way in this division, especially. Yeah. Although 
I now that I'm thinking about it, maybe if Grubauer's good, that's bad for them because they'll play them out of a lottery spot, but they're still not good enough to be like a playoff team. I think for the start of this year, I this um excuse me, this one for me was definitely more focusing on the end, like the 2022-2023 season of yeah, 2022. Because uh yeah, I think if you can get a lottery pick this year and then Grubauer becomes good, there's a shape where this team actually starts to look more like a playoff team, especially in this division, and you got a lottery pick, which is great. Yeah, you you get a lottery pick, and then you're a threat for the eight seed like next year or something like that. Exactly. Um, so you had a goaltender as well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, who do you have for Vancouver? I had new management understands that the team sucks. I had something. I just said hiring a good GM. Which yeah. <laughs> again, those are pretty similar. Uh, correlated, again. yes. Yeah. Because if somebody comes in and tries to think that this team can be good next year, you just rehired, like you might as well have never fired Jim Benning. Yeah, especially if they come in thinking this team is good if we just sign like a 30 year old free agent, you know? Yeah, 100%. Like I, I'll fully admit, I think this team, I mean, they've won six in a row under Brudrow here. And, you know, they're making a little bit of a move back. But, you know, if you want to say, okay, like, Pedersen looks normal, you know, Besser, we're expecting to be good, Horvat, um, you know, maybe JT Miller decides to stay. Maybe you train them. But even, like, they still have a pretty good forward core. It's like, we don't expect to be quite as bad. I will understand that argument. But going and spending more assets to try and win right now is not the move for whatever this new GM is, in my opinion. 100%. Because I think my biggest worry right now as a Canucks fan would be we all know Bruce Boudreaux's magic and that's great, but he plays them into like say six points out of a playoff spot. New management comes in and sees that and thinks they're a good team and starts buying kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I should say that, you know, there's obviously ways to buy that makes your team better if you can trade for a 24-year-old who's, excuse me, disgruntled with his current team or whatever, but buying in terms of just going splashing money around free agency and and trading for Oliver Ekman Larson, just like they did, is not the way to do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, Last team in this division, uh, we're rolling pretty good through this. This is taking about 17 minutes, so 20 minutes of division isn't too bad. Uh, It's the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, I had two here. I kind of, I wasn't sure if... I would say getting Eichel healthy and you know, he's healthy for the entirety of this year is more important or simply just winning the cup. Uh, I was obviously winning the cup would mean it's a success. I wasn't sure which one to put though. um, Because this obviously like uh, every team's goal is to win the cup, but this team especially has been all over it. They've been a couple pieces away a couple times, you know, they've been the the conference final three to their four years. And the other time was, an absolute meltdown with four power play goals led against in San Jose in like three minutes or whatever it was. So this team feels like they've been all over a cup. They've just yet to win one. So I think I, you can make it that, but if you want to say that's a little too bold, then I would say the most, the, the next thing to being quote unquote, a successful season is Eichel just being healthy and looking like the Eichel we saw in Buffalo or even better with better line mates. Yeah, I want more general, but in that direction, just health. Because, like, Stone's missed time. I think, like, Petter Angelo's – I don't know if he's just playing like shit or if he's hurt too. But, like, they've, they've just had a lot of guys on IR and stuff this year. So, just the team generally using this time off to get healthy would be huge for them. Obviously, Eichel, you have to wait on. But 
that would be the most important one for sure. Yeah, that's very fair. Uh, on to the central first team, Arizona Coyotes. What do you have? I had a, uh, I didn't really want to put first overall pick, even though that's obviously the, uh, the number one since that's just a lottery. I think uh, crushing the Phil Kessel trade. I think there's potential for that to go really well for them at the deadline. Yep, that's a good one. Really good one that I uh, didn't think about. I went off ice. I said, find a damn place to play. They yeah. don't have an arena <laughs> yeah, for next year. <laughs> um, I, I said preferably long-term as well, but just getting a place to play, I think would be successful. But uh, yes, definitely on ice. I think the Kessel one is probably the most important in terms of it looks like they're going to get a top three, top four pick anyways. Uh, obviously, top one would be the best, but um, if you can get like a first for Phil Kessel or like a first and a prospect, that would be huge. Exactly. And they're in a nice spot too. They could do that thing we talked to with Chris about maybe getting a next year's first instead of like a, this year's first or whatever, just to increase their odds at Bedard and Beachcob and stuff like that. Because they've already got so much draft capital this year they could barely use anymore. Yeah. I mean, I think there is a legitimate argument to say, um, hey, we'll take next year's first so you can keep it in this draft. That looks pretty good. Um, obviously, next year's looks really good, especially at the top there. Because, yeah, they have three first-round picks already this year and five second-round picks. Um, now, I believe both the first rounds have some condition on it, but Montreal's looks like they will get it. It'll be the Carolina pick, which is probably yep. going to be you know mid to late 20s. Uh, and then Colorado, yep. I think, had a condition on it as well, but it's just top 10 protected. So they will probably get both of them. Uh, obviously on the outside of the top 10, but I, I definitely agree where if you could find a team, say, I'm just trying to think of who would even be in on the Phil Kessel sweepstakes. But if it's a team that doesn't have their first round pick this year or doesn't want to part with it, maybe, you know, definitely taking advantage and getting next year's would be clutch. Exactly. And I reckon that's going to be a good year to be selling with all the COVID uncertainty, right? Because who doesn't want somebody that can still probably crush it on your power play one even, or maybe run a power play two, like scoring winger, because there's so much uncertainty right now. Depth is huge. And I could see somebody overpaying for Phil Castle because of that. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if teams approach it like that, or they approach it where they're overly cautious because what if they get the COVID outbreak or whatever, right? So that, that'll yeah. be something to keep an eye on as we head to the deadline. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. The Chicago Blackhawks. I had restart the whole organization. Uh, I yeah. I don't know. I, I just, I really didn't know what to put. This organization is a mess. 2021 has been the worst possible year. So any upgrade on that is probably a success. You know, you could just put not having an absolute horrid scandal that turns the sports world upside down. Uh, that would be a success for this team compared to 2021. But um the team's just a mess, frankly, on ice, off ice. So take your pick of what you want to happen, and I'm good with it to call that a success. Yeah, I had like uh, Kyle Davidson, is that his name? The new GM? Yes. I had him doing like a Lulam Morello in Toronto style, like burn everything to the ground kind of thing. Like resetting yeah. the culture in this organization is more important than any on ice thing, I think. Yes, I uh, completely agree. Uh, you know, and if you want to look at on ice, it's not uh, good either because that Seth Jones trade is that I can't believe they gave up Boquist, Cole Sillinger, with the <laughs> pick that became Cole Sillinger, and a first round, another first round pick in the 2022 yeah. draft. 
Yeah, they don't have their first this year, do they? No, unless it's top two. I think it's lottery protected and just lottery protected. It'd be really funny if it comes top two and then they're like the worst team in the league next year for the Michkov draft. And it's like, it's not unreasonable to think they might not be. Yep, there's a decent chance they will be. Now, they they have been playing better hockey since Colleton's gone, but still, they're yeah. second last in their own division and like 10 points out of a playoff spot. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes, uh, and they need a lot of fixing. They're not getting better anytime soon. Uh, Colorado Avalanche, I had just make it past round two would be a success. Obviously, I think this team's another one that is kind of on that cup run is what they really want, And but I would argue making it to round three or four, even if you lose, is a quote-unquote cup run. So uh, that's at least strides, but the, they've been a little under the radar for how much they or how little playoff success they've had because they managed to win that magical one round, but for like four years in a row, but have not been able to get round two uh, in a while. Yeah. If they lose again, I can see them get it starting to get that choker label applied. Now their captain and most important players Canadian. So they kind of have like a force field that they get a longer leeway for that than most, but still it's going to happen eventually if they keep losing in the second round, despite being called juggernauts. Yeah, exactly. And like, I think it started this, uh, um, this past year, even where the, the, the narrative has at least started to trickle in. Um, yeah. I will say though, their captain is not Canadian. Their most important player. Yeah, Landy's their cock captain. Yeah, yeah. you're right. <laughs> um, but they, but yes, I think it is still fair that, you know, with McKinnon and people seem to love Landis Cog and even Kale McCarr is the face of the blue line. Um, there is definitely some internal bias there, especially with the Canadian media media, but if they flame out in the playoffs early this year and they don't make it to a conference final, I, I do think that people are going to really start asking questions about this team, unless it's like their whole team gets COVID or something in round one, obviously, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this seems like the year that'll happen. Uh, what did you have for Colorado? And look on the ice half as good as the betting markets think you are. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's one thing where I think we talk about questions. If they flame out again this year, I really want to have someone deep dive into their depth and what on earth the betting nights, because it's not just analytical models, but me and you joke about how like, like analytical models seem to think Colorado is the most godly team ever. And I, yep. I just, I don't understand when I watch it. Like they're a very good team. Don't get me wrong. And they have solid depth, but like they treat it as if like, it's like the, 2000 Detroit Red, Red Wings or something like that, like pre-salary cap teams with their depth. Yeah, like they're absolutely beloved. Like it's almost hard. I don't know if we've seen a team as like beloved by the markets as these Colorado Avalanche. And they've been good. The problem with expectations that high is even if you win your division, you can still be quote unquote disappointing. And that kind of seems like what's happening to them. Yeah, exactly. And like this year they have uh, dealt with a ton of injuries as well. Like McKinnon's been out for time. time. Yeah. Um, McCarr's been out at times as well. Um, But yeah, I I think another one, if you want to talk about on ice, and I think this kind of correlates to both of them maybe is Nazem Kadri continuing the pace he is on right now. That'd be huge. That was just out of nowhere. Like I follow all like a ton of Leafs fans. And just aside from tweets saying, like, lol, look at what Kadri's doing. 
I haven't seen like what or how this has happened, but for whatever reason, he's been fucking amazing this year. Yeah, if anyone has, isn't aware, he's got 11 goals, 27 assists for 38 points in 24 games. Uh, he took that McKinnon role when McKinnon was out for a little while, so he played on their top line with Rantanen and Landeskog uh, and power play one and everything, so that's been huge, but like he's done that in the past. Like Last year, he's already has more points in 24 games this year than he did in 56 last year. He had 32 and 56 last year, 36 and 51 the year before. He's got 38 and 24 this year. So um, talk about the opposite of what he was. He's in a contract year. Remember last contract year, he shot like 3% or whatever. And that's what got him on the steal of a contract he's on now. He is having the opposite of that. And he is probably going to look to get paid this offseason. If Nazem Kadri shoots 13% in his last contract year with the Leafs, is Lou Lamorello considered a godly negotiator by every Toronto fan? Like he is um, I would say probably not, but at the same time, he signed some other bad contracts and that doesn't seem to matter. So <laughs> that's true. Like, it's not like that Patrick Marlowe contract was, uh, you know, when you look at it, lost some Seth Jarvis or whatever. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Um, on to Dallas. What did you have for them? Uh, this one's pretty niche, but for Dallas, I said, for the love of God, please don't extend John Klingberg. Yeah, that's a, that's a good, I have, mine's correlated to that again. I have just started a rebuild. Yeah. So those, those are the number one way to kick off the rebuild would be trading John Klingberg instead of selling him, but it'd be yes. the most hockey thing in the world for this team to miss the playoffs by nine points, sign 29 year old John Klingberg to eight by eight or something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've never really understood the hype with this team. They made that bubble run where, Again, they played well, but much like the Canadians last year, I think we can all admit it was a lot of luck. You know, good timing, but luck. That's not who their true yeah. talent is. And their team just keeps getting older and older and older. And they're not good. Like they went on like a seven game winning streak, I'm pretty sure this year. And they're still four points out of a playoff spot and five, five yeah, and, and in like, the last 10. Ben looks cooked. Sagan looks cooked. Like it just doesn't seem like they have anything left in the tank. No, and like Radulov and Pavelski are up this year. Uh, Pavelski's been one of the most important players, but like he's 37 years old, going to be 38 next year. You know, I think a good way to start a rebuild is let both of or trade both of those guys at the deadline, uh, trade Klingberg, and that alone gives you $17 million to work with and something you can go cheap for a couple of years, get a couple high picks. You know, I think if you traded all of Pavelski, Radulov, and Klingberg, you get minimum two first round picks and probably a couple seconds as well. Yep. Like that seems yeah, like loaded a, at that point. Yeah. And then you have all, they don't have a single extra pick, but they haven't gotten rid of any in the next three years. So that seems like a really good way to start a rebuild and just get draft capped. Yeah. A hundred percent. And you know, they're not going to do it. No, I, I highly doubt it. I, I could see them maybe, Maybe trading one team, but I, I could really see this team just doubling down and being like, nah, this is the team we're going to go for it and just paying for it in a couple of years. Yeah, they're literally like, if they sign a Klingberg extension, they're going to pay for it like immediately. Yeah, I mean, even just like not trading Pavelski, I think would really hurt just in ter- terms of the um, yep. opportunity cost loss. Especially because Pavelski's been like so, so good too. Yeah, like you, you would get a first and 
maybe even a high end prospect for trading Pavelski because he's got that 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 playoff clutch name, uh, value name as well too. Yeah, like hard worker and all all that stuff. He's got like all the intangible value of the team would love. Plus, he's actually really fucking good. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I think you can get an absolute haul for Pavelski. So, not doing that would be very stupid. Yeah. Also, if they extend Klingberg and a bunch of the other guys, like they're probably going to lose Pavelski, who's their best player by a significant margin, and they suck. Uh, that's never good when your team's this old. Yeah, exactly. So, they could be um, new San Jose pretty quick. Yes, I totally agree. Uh, Minnesota, I had figured out a way to make the cap rise $10 million this offseason. Um, <laughs> and bit of a joke. And the pandemic. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Um, a bit of a joke one here. I didn't really know what to put. This team is just so fine. Um, but starting next year, they have $12.7 million in dead cap from the Parise and Suter buyouts. Uh, the following year, it's 14.7 for a couple and then drops down to one. Uh, so this coming year, the cap crunch is really, really coming. Um, they're probably going to lose Kevin Fiala, I would assume. Um, probably yeah. Victor Rask as well. So like that clears up the space basically that you need from last year to this year. But uh, losing Kevin Fiala and even Victor Rask, but especially Fiala is a very, very important piece that suddenly makes this team go from plucky team that you probably don't want to face in the playoffs if you don't have to, to scrapping for a wild card, probably in that 15th to 20th best range, right where they have been for a decade. Yeah, especially as that decor gets older and older. Yep. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I really don't know what the answer for this team is because they just they put themselves in a no win spot really with those contracts. And when it kind of looked like they were going to rebuild, I thought it was you know fine enough. But now that they actually look like competitive, and they're not a bad team either, is the thing. Like, if this team was like third in their own division and just not that great, I would kind of just be like, whatever. Like, just you know, retool, try and figure out a way to, you know, be good with Kaprasov in three years when you come out of this like disgusting cap crunch because of the bad buy or because of the buyouts. But like they're top of their division right now and took Vegas to seven games and gave them all they can handle last year. This is a pretty good team. Yeah. Yeah. They're not half bad. They're kind of in first by default though, for what it's worth. Yes. I think they're true talent second best in this division, but still. I think they're much better than the Predators. I think they're a good chunk better than the Blues. And unless the Jets figure out their forward situation and defense situation, to be honest, I think they're better than them too. So, yeah, yeah, like they are, they seem like they should be comfortably second in this division, which mm-hmm. can win around with kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And then again, like we talk about Colorado, things have not gone right for them in the second round. Suddenly, maybe you're in a conference final, but like, I don't know. Like, I, I just don't know what to do going forward with this team because they're going, they're about to eat a cap crunch. That is really tough for three years. Yeah. I kind of forgot that those contracts are getting more like the pseudo Parise contracts get worse for them starting next year. Yeah. Cause right now I think it's like 4.5 combined. So, and it goes, that yeah. shoots up to, 12, to be half, 12. So. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what did you have for Minnesota? I had, I don't know when Ryan Hartman became good, but he stays good. Yeah, he, he's been a big factor of them being in first this year, too, and taking yeah, a hold of this division. Out of nowhere, the most aggressively mediocre career, and then he just randomly decides he's amazing for $1.7 million. That is 
huge for them. I, he's approaching his career high in points. He's played 30 games. Yeah. And he's at 1.7 for two more years after this too. Yeah. Yeah. Like if he's a steal, that would be a nice way. You're going to need a contract like Ryan Hartman to give you $7 million in value. If you want to remain an outside contender while giving $12 million to air. Yes. I, yes. That would be one of the ways you can try and counteract that for sure. Yeah. Um, on to the Nashville Predators. Uh, what did, what did you have for them? Excuse me. Uh, the short king stays the king. Basically, as long as UC Soros remains one of the best goalies in the league, they can at least make the playoffs. Yeah, I had said, kind of like the Calgary, I try not to repeat myself too much, but there's a few teams where I really felt the same about. And I said, don't get stuck in the middle. Kind of like, if Soros looks good, do everything you can to build around him and try and figure out a way to make yourself that little bit better now, because this is the weakest the centrals looked in a ton of years um, outside the abs, of course. Um, Or, you know, if it, if you're not convinced you can win with Soros right now, sell, take advantage of Matt Duchesne's having an unreal season, you know, sell whatever pieces you can and just continue your, your rebuild or retool or whatever you want to call this. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like uh, the, that cost has been sunk, though. <laughs> They're pretty destined to mediocrity at this point. Yes, I think so. But I, I do think, like, I don't know, they moved that Ryan Ellis deal. Granted, Ryan Ellis is a very, very good player. But, um, you know, they, they found ways out of contracts that I uh, didn't really love. And they're down to, like, basically it's like I, I don't want to see them just let Phil Forsberg walk for nothing this offseason. That would be horrible. Or even just like, I don't even think like re-signing him to like a seven by seven does this team too much good. No, probably not. Although David Poyle for a long time, one of the things he did well was never give all these guys no moves. That's huge. Because if you could get a team to bite on Duchesne on a hot streak or Johansson and then maybe like get a haul for Philip Forsberg, suddenly you look really good. Yes, at least suddenly a lot better your rebuild is very much more a retool than anything else because it's like, well, we have, you know, uh, Tolvanen, uh, Jakob Trenin is uh, 24. And he's going to need a raise. So you have cap space to get that and a couple high-end picks in this year's draft and suddenly you're looking a lot better. Yeah, and you have Yossi and Ekholm presumably locked in and not going anywhere, uh, which is usually the hardest thing to find in, in a rebuild. Exactly, and so they can be those number one center, those quote unquote mentors, mentors or whatever, right? So, yeah, get the puck to the kids, kind of thing. Yeah, um, St. Louis Blues. Here's another one I wasn't really sure about. I said win a playoff round? Question mark. Like, it just feels like I think they've been bounced in round one every year since they won the cup. Um, just kind of like they have the roster where they don't, they can't really sell. They kind of got to go for it, but. I don't think they're like a true cup contender. So just kind of like a successful season, I guess, would just have a, a bit of a surprise playoff run and, and try and make it as deep as you can in the playoffs this year. Yeah, I said limp to the playoffs and then understand you're not a playoff team kind of thing. Yeah, like... because Make like, the playoffs. Thing... Say, you, say you lose in seven, realize you need to be like thinking ahead because you're still not going to be good next year. Even though you'll yeah. probably make the playoffs next year with this roster. Yeah, well. I would say this is a playoff roster. It's just not a good 
playoff roster. It's like a bubble yeah. roster, you know, wildcard team. Yeah, like especially in this division, they should be able to come fourth in it and make the playoffs this year and next year with yes. this exact uh, group of players. But it's like this decor just really isn't taking you anywhere. No. And you don't really, as, as good as Bushnevik has been, you don't really have the forwards to like break playoff games open either. Not, I would say you they, the, the four core would be fine enough, but if they had like a like a the defense they did back in 2019 or whatever, right? But yeah, they they don't have the four core that can just take over playoffs and say it doesn't matter what our defense or goaltending looks like, we're winning this. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, like nobody's gonna really break structure and just take the game over for you. No, so yeah, that, that, that was mine as well. Um, just kind of get into the playoffs and yeah, don't probably don't spend any assets to buy anything, but I think next year will be the real big decision here for this team. Cause Tarasenko's got one year left. O'Reilly's got one year left. Um, Robert Thomas will as one year left after this one. So that'll be the real big question mark of where you go with the future of this team. Yeah. You know, what a good one is that I'm just thinking of now is crush a Tarasenko trade in the offseason because he's been pretty mediocre, even though he has a shitload of points. That's the exact kind of player you got to be trying to sell ASAP when he's that expensive. Yeah, and you, you've kind of built his value back up from like he wanted out this offseason. And yeah. now it's and now like he's, he's a point per game player for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you could take advantage of that. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, Winnipeg Jets. I just said simply stop wasting Connor Hallibut. It's a good one. Mine's the most likely way in which they could stop uh, wasting Connor Hellebuck. And that is usually they tell you not to talk shit about like your exes or like your former jobs because it looks really bad on you. But pray that Paul Maurice is actually the worst coach in NHL history because that is like the only conceivable way. Like them magically getting good now that Maurice is fired is the most only real way I could see them looking good all of a sudden. This forward core being what we actually pictured it being like four years ago and making this team into a contender would be so cool. And yeah, I almost like, I hope it was almost Maurice just holding this back, but I, something tells me it probably wasn't all him. Like Mark Shifley refuses to play defense. Um, yep. How this dude, like this guy's got the best agent in the world, man. But you know, obviously yeah, Ehlers does. is great, but yeah, like Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois actually becoming like, point per game players who can control play as well would be the way that you really stop wasting this hell of career. Um, and again, I don't know if that's even possible anymore, but it'll be interesting to see under a new coach. What happens? Yeah, it's kind of, hopefully they, they have a, who was the Mike Johnson to Mike Sullivan? Was that the jump that Pittsburgh made that style of a run? Uh, who was him before Mike Sullivan? I think it was uh, Mike Johnson. I thought it was someone else, but I it, it doesn't work. It doesn't pretty sure his name was Mike. That's all I remember. Uh, it went from Mike to Mike. That's where hanging. Oh, yeah, Mike Johnson, summer of 2014. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Like just getting, I'll, hopefully they can turn around this core team can be what they look like on paper or what everyone has in their head on paper anyways, um, because they've been a lot less than what uh, expectations have been for a while now. Yeah. They've just been horrible. And uh, I think it'd be more fun if they were good. 
Yeah. Uh, all right, on to the Metro. Still on the pace for almost 20 minutes of vision. Not too bad. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes, I, I said make a cup run here. Uh, much like the uh, Golden Knights and Colorado, uh, Hurricanes have felt like they've done kind of everything they can the past couple of years to try and get over that hump. Uh, they made the conference finals a couple of years ago and got swept by Boston. I think they really, you know, for this to be a successful year, I think they need to really be the winners of the Metro and get to that third round this year at least. And ideally even go further, but I think third round would definitely be a success for this team. Yeah. Especially now that all the juggernauts have left the Metro. Yeah. Like this team is very, very mediocre from top to bottom, but like no one's really bad in the division, but there's no, there's no Tampa. There's no Toronto. There's no Florida, you know, and nothing like no Colorado, no Vegas in your division. You could there's be not that even team. A Boston. No, like the Carolina could be that team. They got to go take advantage of it. Yeah, they need to they need to do that. Uh, what did you have? I had the primary way in which they're going to get out of the Metro. Uh, Freddie Anderson finally looks good in the playoffs after having an amazing regular season. Yep, uh, Freddie's been bounced back from you know the, what he looked like for his first three or four years in Toronto before those last two with injuries and just not being good. Frankly, uh, took place, but him being good and actually staying good throughout the playoffs would be massive because yeah, th- that would give this team something that I don't know if they've been missing playoff goaltending, but having a guy, you know, even you could just rely on to be like a nine 12 would go a long way. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go and keep going here with Columbus. I had Boquist becoming really, really good. Yeah. I went same direction. I've kind of seen enough from Boquist. I thought cylinder looking at least like a second liner would be huge. Yeah. Him actually, yeah. Him actually just sticking and being like a really good NHLer this early already would be massive. Um, basically, just development for this team is what they need for success right now. You know, they're not going to be ready to yeah. win just yet. They have a couple of decent goalies, some decent pieces around, but yeah, they need that high end talent. And if either of Boquist or Sillinger or both can become that, that's great. Yeah, exactly. Save for Wenski because you're paying him a shitload of money for forever. Basically, if almost every player on this team looks bad relative to what was expected of them, but Boquist and Sillinger look good, you're happy with the season. Yeah, 100%. And you would do it all over again, just like that. Like, they're just the most important players for you by far because you need stars to win, and they are the most likely guys to be your stars by the time you're you're actually good. Yep. Uh, New Jersey Devils, what did you have? Uh, Jack Hughes looks like an $8 million player. Yep. I, I kind of, I went the same way. I said, take the next step to relevancy. I don't really know how you do that, but I think Hughes becoming an actual $8 million player is probably how. Um, yeah. Basically this team between this year and next, just being like a playoff team in the Metro, I think would be successful. Yeah, the Metro is finally opening up for you. Like, now's your time to start taking that stride. And if you can't take that stride while everybody else around you is falling apart, you're fucked. Yeah. Um, This is kind of the year where they don't need to go all in or anything like that. It's not like boomer. Like, it's not just complete bust, but they need to be around the playoffs by the end of the year. And heading into next year, they need to be a team that, on papers competing for playoffs or looks to come not on paper on the ice. Sorry. looks to compete for a playoff spot. Yeah. hundred percent. They need to do something soon. 
Because it's been uh, like, I guess even if even if they get PDO and have like a top five pick, I guess. But then the pressure's really on to look competent next year. Yeah, next year, then you have to come out and be like a top four team in your division. You got to be like Detroit this year, then if you're going to pick mm-hmm. in the lottery again, which yeah. might not be the worst direction for them, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, especially winning the lottery. Yeah. But, and you still have Holtz coming up too, which could be huge. Yeah, I just they have pieces as well. So yeah, definitely just getting that next step is definitely something you have to do. Uh, and you know, Hughes becoming that player would be massive. But even just adding Holtz, if Holtz is a legit, you know, difference maker, even if it's not right away, but near the end of next year, he's a good second liner, even a first, like a borderline first liner, that would be massive for this club. Just giving them an extra piece up front. Hundred percent. Also, Mercier, he's another big one. Him mm-hmm. and uh, Holtz kind of look like the guys who might be able to take some of the weight off Hughes' shoulders, at least. Yeah, um, the Islanders. This is another tough one because they're so just man. I said sorting out the cap situation. I guess this year, uh, I don't really know how you do that, but the long term cap situation looks pretty ugly. If you can manage to move a piece or two while you're not that good and just give yourself even a little more wiggle room. I think you kind of have to do that because this season's been a disaster and I don't really see how this team rebuilds other than just being naturally bad, which might happen. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're, they're last in their division with a nine twenty six from their starting goalie. That's pathetic. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I like um, Shesterkin, but, or sorry, Sorokin, but even like you can't expect, yeah, you can't expect that from him to just like all the time, you know. No, absolutely not. You can only expect that from like peak Lundquist. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just said kind of sort out the cap situation because, like, I think it was up to you and I would probably have rebuilt this team years ago, but it's worked out for so long. But now it's just like I just don't think they can do anything to even like start a rebuild or anything like that. No, like that. So many of those contracts are completely unmovable. You have to imagine. Yeah. So uh, what did you have for the Islanders? Um, I wanted to avoid having too many specific player ones, although Barzell is the obvious one here. But I had Barry Trotz dials in because him being a magician looks like this really the only reasonable way you can see this franchise being competent over the next calendar year. Yeah, I mean, he, like, at this point, I think this year is probably a write-off, right? So, like, yeah, if you're saying success, it's basically got to be, like, they just take their licks this year, try and get some assets, and start again next year, and Barry Trotz works his magic, and they're a good team again next year. Yeah. Hope your mediocre team getting older and worse somehow gives you a better result because Barry Trotz is that magical. That's your only hope. And, like... Yeah, because they don't they don't even have a ton in like the prospect system either. Like no, because the good prospects are there. Like Wallstrom and Dobson are on the team now. Yeah, the, the two biggest ones they have is Bodie Wild and Atu Ratti. Yeah. Um which like I, I like Ratty as a pick. He, he was the second round pick who apparently had attitude problems and fell way down in the draft because of it. So but at least he was he was like a top 10 talent or top 15 heading into the year. So close to it. Yeah. But like how many teams don't have a Bodie Wild in their system? Yeah, exactly. It's not like Bodie Wild is this uh 
savior or anything like that that's going to come out of it. Like you probably wouldn't even trade Lilligren straight up for Bodie Wild. Lilligren's a seventh defenseman. Yeah, and I don't even think they had a first round pick last year because I'm pretty sure they traded away at the deadline. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's for the Islanders. For the the Rangers, I kind of wasn't sure what to put. I, I put build out the depth, kind of like the uh, um, the idea with the Oilers. Just like I, I think the Rangers just need to get actual good, some more good NHL players because their goalie looks legit. They have star, um, some star players, obviously, and Adam Fox and Artemi Panarin. Um, so I think even just like Lafreniere, even if he doesn't come like elite, elite, him becoming not a depth player in terms of a fourth liner, but like depth in terms of having a bunch of top six guys available for you uh, is really what's going to put this team to a true contender status from, I think they're a pretender right now, personally. Yeah. I was like somewhat high on them coming into the year. Cause I thought they had a lot of upside. Um, but even though they are relatively good in terms of standing points, I am way lower on them than I was coming into the year. This is getting, a horrible team masquerading behind amazing luck. They're getting crushed at five on five. Yeah. Like and just like Panarin's in shit. Yeah. And like is, scary. It's too early in that contract for Panarin to be this bad. Yeah. And I, Panarin's evens. the one guy I'm like. I'm sure he'll not, turn it around. Yeah. I'm not super worried games, about, so. but yeah. It's like they, they really need like Lafreniere and Kako to uh, at the very least just be like fringe first line forwards. Yeah, a hundred percent. Because Panarin being new Blake Wheeler is only going to get you this kind of looks for so long. Yeah, like it's just it, it's not it's not good. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to sort right now. I know they're bottom two and bottom three in expected goals in Corsi four percentage. I'm trying to see where they are in actual goals for they're 18th in goals for percent. If you want to know how good their um, goaltending's been this year. Wow. Yeah. Just lucky as all hell. Yeah. Uh, Philadelphia Flyers. I said, don't re-sign Rista Linen. I think you could build this one into a bigger one of they should probably start a rebuild this year because um, for a while they were stuck between two cores. Well, that one core has now gotten old and the other one just isn't that good. So that leads to a very mediocre team. Um, but I think the biggest part of that is don't uh, try and justify your absolutely horrid trade last offseason by doubling down and re-signing Ristolainen into a stupidly long, bad contract. Yeah, that is a very good one. I saved my pick a direction for this team. Yeah, I, I think that's very fair. And at this point, I just like, like I like Konechny and Kateri is great as well, but like, what does this team buying look like? Cause they kind of did that this past off season. Like how much more can they go out and spend to make this team better? I don't know. Cause they're, they're a cap team pretty much. They have a little bit, but, and they're getting more expensive and they're getting older without like game breaking prospects. This team looks destined to be like the, those leaf teams that would always come 10th last. Yeah. Like unless Ryan Ellis dials back the clock and is just like absolutely top three defensemen. I don't see a way where this team gets like much better, you know? Exactly. Or like, or Cam Carter York comes in and Hart. makes it different. And Carter Hart becomes 
what Shesterkin's doing this year. Connor Hellebuck kind of, yeah, exactly. So, like, yeah, like, I, I think a rebuild is almost destined. Like, I would be trading Giroux if I was this, them this deadline. If you could find somebody to buy them, absolutely. Actually, it's Claude Giroux. You'd, somebody would go nuts. Someone will absolutely. Especially, you could you could retain for, uh, 50% and suddenly Claude Giroux at 4.1 looks pretty good. He's probably the most sought-after player in the entire trade deadline if you're retaining half. He I would plays think that so, yeah. quote unquote playoff game. He's still legitimately good. Yeah. yeah. That would be he's got the point totals to back it up too. He's just under point per game. So um yeah, I, I think that would be a way to kickstart the rebuild, right? His, yeah, his career playoff numbers are great too. Like that would be the, the ideal situation, I think. Yeah. Um Pittsburgh. I said one last cup run question, Mark, I think is a successful because I, I just, I really don't know where this team's going, but I think you can, if you want to go a specific player too, Evan Rodriguez being even like 75% as good as he's looked this year uh, would probably be a successful thing in terms of adding depth to this team. That's for sure. Yeah. Another guy who just came absolutely out of fucking nowhere. So, I mean, good for him. He had like, I don't know why model like didn't hate him back in the day, but that's by that. I mean, like it thought he was a decent third liner when the league would treat him like a replacement level player. Yeah. He, but this is like one of the most out of nowhere. Cause he's like, I think been like a top five player by goals above replacement this year. Yeah. He's near the top. I don't know exactly where he is, but he's been freaking awesome this year. And uh, I don't really know how. No, I, I don't know how either. Um, he's 14th among all skaters. Jeez. Yeah, and that becomes 12th when you filter out defensemen. Yeah. Good for um, him. Yeah, they're very good for him. Um, but, yeah, they, I think in terms of a long-picture run, like this kind of feels like really, truly, it's got to be one of Pittsburgh's last chances if they can get Malkin healthy back, right? Like, I just... Where's the team yeah. better from this? Yeah, you basically need a healthy Malkin, which doesn't seem like a great thing to bet on, although it's not impossible. He is a freak athlete after all. He's getting up there in age, though. He is 35, and he spent a lot of time over the past three or four years injured. Yeah, he's been pretty damaged. One of the – Sid takes all the, all the like, what-ifs he was healthy, which rightfully so he's – Sidney fucking Crosby, but Malkin's like maybe the next best. What if he would had a fully healthy career in the of this generation of players? Yeah, uh, him and probably like Eric Carlson. Yeah, yeah, Carlson's another really good one. So yeah, Malkin's. When was the last time Malkin played a full season? Oh god, I bet you it's probably been six, seven years. Oh, I guess he played basically a full one in seventeen, eighteen. But then his last one was 2012. Yeah, like that's a long jump. One of yeah. your last nine eight or years. Yeah, like that's yeah. uh that's tough. Yeah, that's tough. Which is unfortunate. And even just like it looked like so 78 games played, 82, 82. This is early in his career. 67, 43. So there's a half year, 75, 31. Uh, now that 31 was the lockout year, but still he missed almost half the season of a lockout year too. Cause I think there's still 48 yeah. games. Um, yeah, 60, 48. 
69, 57, 62, 78, 68, 55, 33. So like literally in the last since 2009-10, he has really only played one full season, two full, two full seasons, I guess. We can count the 75 as a full season as well. But then other than yeah. that, he's missed at least 12 games. Uh, no, at least 15 games in every other season, which is crazy. Absolutely nuts. Pittsburgh signed a deal with the devil. None of Latang, him, or Sid are ever healthy at the same time, but you get all three of them. And that's what gets you uh, three cups. So, yeah. Um, all right. On to the last team in this division, the Washington Capitals. Uh, I said OV scoring 50 plus in the 2022 calendar year. Yeah. I said OV remains an MVP candidate. So that's yeah. the main way in which he's going to do it because he's probably not going to become good at defense. <laughs> I, I have a feeling he is probably not. No. Um, no. Yeah. Like, obviously, this team looks good enough where they're going to make the playoffs again this year. Um, I wouldn't be super scared of them. But again, they are a playoff experience team. So who knows? You know, maybe they make some noise. But I definitely think if you like it, it's getting pretty obvious that the thing that matters most to the fans and the team is Ovechkin, this uh, goal scoring title for Ovechkin. And that's very fair. So the more he can score uh, in this 2022 calendar year, I think the the more successful they will consider it, regardless of where they are in the standings. Yeah, exactly. It'd be cool to see too. I want to break Gretzky's record so bad. I, I do too. I think it would be insane to think about. And the fact that it could happen is, is really cool. So, yeah, I saw he uh, via hockey references adjustments. He like, is already passed over Gretzky and goals, but uh, people don't really care about that. So it'd be cool to see it happen for real. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. On the last division, still playing on time here. We're at an hour mark now. We'll try. And this is obviously the longest, but uh, you know, usually because both of our teams are here, but at the same time, we'll try and go through this quick uh, Boston. I said, get Rask and Krejci back, but you could argue just the players of their elk as well. Um, they really miss Krejci in the depth or just a, a really good to see. Uh, and in that they've missed Rask a lot at times as well. Uh, Olmark has not done the job as a first year starter here. Yeah. Which is tough for him. That's tough shoes to fill. Although the defense has made it relatively easy on him at least. So there's, there's a path there for him to look good, even if he isn't actually good, basically. Yes, but I think by the time they get to the playoffs and they play some of the juggernauts in this division, they need an actual good goalie, not just someone who's been propped up by numbers. Yeah, your your defense isn't going to make your goalie look stellar against Tampa or whatever. You're going to need him to, to win on his own. Yeah, exactly. And I think this is another team that's kind of – just taking as many kicks at the can as they can. And they're still a good team, but uh, they definitely need a little bit of help and some depth. So that's what I had for them. Uh, what about you? I had uh, shooting luck. These guys are uh, top in the league in XG, but a below average goals for percentage team at even strength. Yeah. Like, I don't and- think a lot of people would think they're have been that good. But no, like, I, I do feel like they've been a little underrated in terms of how good the overall roster has been. Yeah, their shooting, their shooting percentage at even strength starts with a five. It's the thirty. Yeah, it's thirty second in the league. Yeah, that's insane. Like even if you get these guys to league average, uh, they're behind Detroit in the standings right now. They are. Those two teams don't even belong in the same conversation. No, and, and they're three points behind, but they have five games in hand as well. So yeah, um, 
it's very, very possible that they could look not even in the same conversation as Detroit by the end of it. But uh, yeah, no, they're, they're a good team. Like, and, and that's why I think if they want to make that run, getting some depth back, uh, you know, getting, adding some more depth, because I think part of the shooting, obviously no team is a true 5% shooting talent, especially not this team. Um, but it's not like they have a ton of high end skill that can get them out of the shooting talent at deeper down their roster either. Yeah. That's all of their shooting talent. is concentrated in three players. Yeah. Maybe a line together with Taylor hall, but yeah. Even Hall's never been like a great shooter as much. He's just like a talented, more of an on ice shooting percentage guy than a yeah. Individual and then shooting talent, like as much passing. as we like Craig Smith, it's not like he's a shooter either. No, he's not shooting sixteen percent in your bottom six or whatever. You might no, get lucky same, and do it, but same with Eric Halla, Thomas Nosek, Trent Frederick, Curtis Lazar, Charlie Coyle. Like those are the names that are below that first line. So. Yeah, maybe they could use a Phil Castle uh, reunion. I was thinking this is probably one of the teams that would be in on a Phil Castle trade. They don't—they don't, they don't yeah. give up first-round picks too often, though. Or I don't know about too not. often. They haven't recently because they got burned by it a lot with those. Like I think it was—was was it a Ginla and then Nash in back-to-back years that they picked up? And that sounds right. They did. They were getting burned for it in like the 2013 years. I do remember mm-hmm. that. Um, but yeah, so it'll be, but yeah, I definitely think Phil Kessel is an interesting name that they could add. And when we were talking about it earlier, they, they were one of the first teams that popped in mind, but, um, all right, let's keep moving here. Buffalo. Uh, I said, don't ruin Owen power. Uh, <laughs> is basically the best I can do for them. Obviously I think a lot, another lottery pick would go a long way as well in this big draft. Uh, um, so picking first or second overall, but then more importantly, in my opinion, it's just not ruining the prospects that you do get as well, because that has been a massive part of their problem of why they've been in the basement for so long is other than uh, Jack Eichel, like how many prospects have really worked out? You could argue Sam Reinhardt, I guess, but even he was a second or third overall pick and became a two C for you. Um, Dylan cousins has not had a great start to his NHL career. Uh, Deline doesn't, you know, Deline struggled mightily at times. Um, it, it just, it's kind of ugly all the way around. So don't ruin the prospects you have. That's all I'm asking for. Yeah. 100% powers going to junior probably huge because I can't imagine he's looking good if he's playing on the Boston or the Buffalo decor right now. Yeah, I totally agree. What did you have for Buffalo? Uh, just win the lottery. Yeah. <laughs> Your fans deserve it. Your guys are a disgustingly bad team and, uh, Hope to get one of the high-end upside offensive players to replace yep. That would be very nice. Um, I think they could use another year or two of that yet. Uh, get, getting uh, the top pay Bedard or Meshach next year, or not Meshach, uh, Mitchkov next year would be huge yep. um, for them too. So It's to the point where like, if they pick second overall this year, do you think that whoever they pick even plays next year for them? I know would hope not to be. I honest. think it would almost be smart to do the own powers route and either play junior or NCAA again, or no. if they're a, a European, put them to the AHL at least to start because like the best case scenario is they're good and take you out of a, a lottery spot, which like you're not completely complaining about because they're good, but like, are, is their development going to get ruined because they're playing in the AHL for an extra year? I don't think so. 
especially with Bedard and Mechkov. Like you just need you need a superstar so freaking badly, and you need more than one. Yeah. So, um, Detroit, what did you have? Uh, this is another team similar to where the, only a couple of players really matter. And those players are Cider and Raymond look like some of the best players in the entire league at their position. Legitimate superstars. These guys need to be legitimate superstars, not just like first liners. And if they are, Detroit could be a real threat going forward. Yep. I had protect Raymond and Cider and have them keep developing. Yep. Um, Basically, I, I think you could argue just kind of do what, what the year just keep going how it is. If you were a slightly above 500 team that finishes fifth in your division and 10th last overall or whatever, um, and you did it because Lucas Raymond and Mortis Sider were amazing, uh, I would say that's a very, very successful year. Yeah, I'd classify that as a huge win. That kind of looks like where they're going, to be honest, because talking about Boston, like they're, they're not making the playoffs over Boston. They're going to miss... They're going to have a shot at the lottery, although they're very unlikely to win. And uh, you need your stars to win, but it looks like you might have found them already and not need more through the draft. Yep, exactly. Um, that's a pretty easy one. I don't really have much more to say on them, to be honest. I think they're doing classic Steve Eisenman, just doing exactly what he should. Yep. Exactly. Uh, uh, the Florida Panthers. I said make a playoff run. Uh, they've had this intriguing, good young core for a number of years, but – They just haven't been able to, when they have made the playoffs, they haven't been able to do anything with it. They've had some bad matchup luck, obviously with Tampa last year, they got bounced in the first round uh, despite winning their own division. I believe it was, or no, came in second in the division. Um, But they really, this core needs to start winning because this core is not getting any younger. And uh, it's, it sucks because there are two more. We're halfway through this division. We already had a team in Boston that his goal is to win a cup. And we have two more coming that is going to be win a couple playoff rounds and the math just obviously does not work that multiple of these teams are going to be able to do it but uh for a successful year for florida like if they get bounced in round one against the leafs or lightning again i just i don't see how you can call that a success even if it's even you know with the lightning and leaf being that good of a team yeah it's a two two teams are going to consider this year a failure uh just because basically in this division and it sucks and Florida's got to do everything in their power to not be one of them. Yep. Uh, what did you have? I said um, the Quenville system still works without him there. Hmm. That's a, that's a very good one. Um, it's because it's hard to say if it, cause they're four, five and one in their last 10, they've lost three in a row. They're 18, seven and four. Now for a while, it looked like they were just chugging regardless, but now I think is really the time to see if this system is going to stay in place without him there, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. Cause like, obviously they had lightning in the bottle. They just randomly added multiple number one defensemen out of thin air, presumably thanks to the <laughs> system they were running. Um, and if that isn't true going forward, we could see these guys come back to earth really, really quick. Yeah. Yes, uh, absolutely. If, you know, um, Ekblad isn't what Ekblad what looked like he was last year. Uyghur is another one, obviously. And everyone we talked about in the offseason, every one of their defensemen were just like better than we expected. Yeah. And better than any reasonable projection would be. Yes. So 
Um, I, I think if you want to add another one, then Sergey Bobrovsky being first half of this year, Sergey Bobrovsky and not what he's been in the back 10 games or so would be uh, crucial for yeah, any be success nice. because Spencer Knight does not look good. That or Spencer Knight becoming good because he got sent to the minors and rightfully so. Yeah. So yeah, um, Montreal uh, restart, basically. I just, I don't know. Like, I, I think that there's still, I've seen some people be like, well, you know, this team just went to the cup finals. How bad can the, the team actually be? It's like, no, this is a pretty brutal team. I know they've been dealing with a lot of injuries, but like they really got to set the restart button here, you know? Yeah. I said, except that you suck. And like, it's tough if to they do that. Don't. It's, it's tough yeah. to do that in a year. You don't have your first round pick. Yeah, it's got to be pretty. Oh, yeah, actually, no, never mind. They, they do have their first round pick. It'll be the Carolinas. Yeah, because Carolinas. Yeah, yeah, okay, never mind. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, you can start. You're, you can pick top. Well, you're going to pick top five this year. You know, like, but they basically, like, they should look to trade Drew Ann for whatever they can get. They should look to trade Tyler Toffoli, honestly, for whatever they can get this offseason or deadline. You know, like, they any, anyone who is under over 20 Four twenty-five and has any value, they should be looking to move. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like they're just they're a horrible team, and there's no way out of it. And they need to understand that, or else there's going to be very serious long-term repercussions. Yes, totally agree. Uh, the Senators. I had add another star. Uh, presumably, you have to do this to the draft, uh, but they need they just they, they need another game-breaking talent up front, or at least. If they're not going to do that, they need to find a way to add like two or three really good pieces up front. Um, and by that, I mean like a Tyler Toffoli, maybe a Claude Giroux or something like that, because it's painfully obvious they have four good forwards this year and that is it. And Tim Stutzler is on an absolute island trying to play with like Connor Brown and uh, Nick Paul at times. Yeah, that's very true. They. That's why I was, I think being significantly worse than they were expected to be might be huge for them in the long run. They're also kind of on the point where it's like, they might be able to pick up a right defense, like, like Simon Nemec or whatever in this draft. Yeah. Um, And they could really use a good right-handed defense as well. Their left side looks pretty stacked with Shabbat Sanderson. um, And then they have branched from there. If they ever give them a chance, Mete is another name, but the right side, they have Zub and then they have, uh, Bernard Docker and Lassie Thompson, both of which like they've looked kind of meh in their like they they both kind of look like they might be able to be like second pair guys, but that's about it. If they could get a stud first pair right hand defenseman or another you know difference maker up front, that would be huge. Yeah, that would be awesome for them because it's clear they need uh, a significant amount of value from somewhere. Yes, especially to keep up to with. Where couple top sixes in this division, right? Like, yeah. So uh, who did, what did you have for Ottawa there? Uh, I just had sustained growth from the young players because um, even though they've been horrible, even worse than they were expected to be, at least the production has come from exactly who you want the production to come from. Yeah. It's been super encouraging watching Kachuk, Norris, Batherson, uh, even Stutzla, and then Shabbat obviously as well. Uh, just kind of carry this team. Um when they win, yeah. it's been on the backs of those five, and that's the five that you want to see succeed. So, exactly, and it reminds me when we talk about, say, like New Jersey, we're like, well, if the whole team sucks but Hughes is good, uh, you're happy. That's 
basically exactly what just happened with Ottawa this year. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Tampa, uh, what did you have for them? I said, what more could you fucking want? <laughs> I said three P. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the only, that's the only way because it's just, yeah. Like there's like, I, I don't know anything less than winning for them right now is just not successful uh, in terms of overall, you know, yep. as unre- unrealistic as that is, but um, yeah, it's, it's copper bust for this team for the next couple of years. Yep. And Hey, you're the Tampa Bay lightning. You could get swept in round one and you're still a top three cup favorite next year. Yep. Exactly. Well, I mean, that's what happened two years ago or three exactly. years ago, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. You got swept by a horrible team and then you won the cup just dominating the league. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I said Tampa three Pete and to round it out Toronto say it with me. Win around. Yes, sir. I think everyone, this was the example I gave to Chase when I was trying to explain the idea to him. Um, I think everyone knows the one question I had, and we only got about five minutes left, so I don't want to go too, too deep on this and maybe a good topic for another time, but is one round enough now? Um, it shouldn't be, but I think it'll be just so cathartic. People will not care. Like, obviously, this team should have cup aspirations, but you're at least buying yourself another year or two with winning one round. I agree. I think, yeah. I, I, it also depends how they lose in the second round, too. Like, if they run into Tampa, who ends up winning the cup, and they lose in seven, yeah, what can you really say, right? But yeah. if they well, like, get to the second round and get swept, I think people are going to be like, well, great, we won a round, but it wasn't even like winning around because we didn't even win any more games, you know? Yeah. You still only won four games. Yeah. Cause at least winning around quells like the fire do this stuff that will happen if they lose around. Kind of thing. I agree that. I th- yeah. I think if they win one round for sure, there will be no talk of like, Ooh, is Dubas on the hot seat or it, it'll get pushed back another year of like, Oh, Dubas now needs to figure out a way to really push through here. But like, I think if they, fizzle out in the first round again this year. I, I really think there's going to be rightfully or not. And I think it'd probably be unrightfully unless the team, unless something like just so predictable happens, which I don't even know what that could be. Uh, there will be people calling for do business head this year though. If they don't make it past round one. Yeah. And I'm, what I'm worried about is if they don't make it past round one, they're going to do something stupid on purpose. Well, and that's the thing because I've already heard like Friedman say, if Dubis isn't on the hot seat, if they don't make pass round one, it's going to be because he basically says, let me trade Marner or something like that. And it's like, yeah, it just feels like they're going to make an absolute panic trade for one of their, but, or if Dubis gets fired, what do you think the new GM is going to do? First thing that they come in with, right? Trade Nylander. If uh, hockey has taught me anything. Well, it's, it's going to be, he's going to come in promising a big splash of some sort. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that, that was our list for 2022. What would make it a successful season for every team? Uh, let us know if you like that. Uh, we figured it was just a good bit of a break um, from past news. Obviously I think the biggest stuff has been the COVID shutting down the league. Clearly uh, Paul Maurice was fired for the jets as well. So uh, we'll probably end up talking about that, but I, we even discussed that a little bit uh 
on this podcast anyway. So um, I hope everyone enjoyed. Uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and stuff. Uh, you can find Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66. All my work at uh, lastwordonhockey.com. Uh, I should have, I uh, just also featured on uh, the cost per point cast with uh, Trevor Shackles. That was a lot of fun talking about some Ottawa stuff. So go check that out. Uh, and you can check all of Chase's writing out at uh, Action Network HQ on Twitter or uh, actionnetwork.com is the actual website. So uh, thank you everyone for listening. I hope you have all had a happy holidays and have a happy new year. Uh, this will be the last episode for 2021. We will see you all in 2022. Thank you.